The world is changing fast, but you can learn it at a slower pace. Special English. You're listening to Special English. I'm Tony Reed in Beijing. Here's the news. The National Natural History Museum in Beijing kicks off its Night at the Museum evenings, a unique late night experience for visitors. From 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. this month, the team will organize a series of activities, including lectures, movies, As well as the staging of an original stage play titled I Am Red Peter. One highlight is a sleepover for children between the ages of 6 and 12, accompanied by their families. When the doors close and the lights dim, 30 families will have the chance. To wander through empty galleries, passing dinosaurs, and exploring the history of humanity in a nightly adventure that lasts from 6 30 p.m. until 8 a.m. the following morning. Begun in 2006, the night at the museum has received. Over 100,000 visits, with a collection of around 372,000 historical and modern specimens, the 23,000 square meter museum, which dates back more than 70 years, is a popular attraction for exploring life on Earth. In the capital. This is special English. A library in Guangzhou, the capital of South China's Guangdong province, has been using cold water pipelines instead of air conditioners to beat the heat with lower electricity. Costs. Huang Zhengxiong, director of the Asset and Property Management Department of the Guangzhou Library, said that the centralized cooling system installed with inlet and outlet water pipes cools the air by using water pumps. Huang said, "It is more like central air conditioning using water, which delivers cold air through pipelines to keep the indoor temperature constant at around 26 degrees Celsius." Located in the booming Zhujiang New Town, the library received. More than seven hundred thousand visitors in July, with the daily number of visitors surpassing forty thousand at weekends. The huge flow of visitors has an impact 
on the temperature changes at the library. Zheng Qian, who works for the library's publicity department, said the cold water is supplied by a nearby cold station. Tung Lin, general manager of Guangzhou Pearl River New Town Energy Corporation, said the ice for the station is made at night when the electricity charged is much lower, sharply reducing the electricity cost. The commercial electricity in summer charges 0.19 yuan per kilowatt hour during its lowest usage time from midnight to 8 a.m., which is much lower than that during the daytime peak. Tung said ice will be stored as much as possible with the cheap electricity price at night and delivered to buildings nearby. The company's cooling services cover building areas of 2 million square meters, including nearby subways, theaters, and office buildings, with a growing number of cities, including Jinan and Wuhan, issuing high-temperature alerts this summer. The centralized cold water cooling system is gaining traction across the country. In Shenzhen, the construction of a large cold station in Qianhai, part of a pilot-free trade zone, will soon be completed. The station will help cool nearly 1 million square meters of office space. You're listening to Special English. I'm Tony Reed in Beijing. August 1st marks the 15th anniversary of the opening of the Beijing-Tianjin High-Speed Railway, China's first high-speed railway with a design speed of 350 kilometers per hour. Over the period, about 340 million passenger trips have been made on the railway. The 166-kilometer line reduced travel time between Beijing and Tianjin to about half an hour. When it began operations, about 94 bullet trains ran on the line every day. Now, about 256 trains operate daily. At peak travel times, trains depart every three minutes. According to China Railway Beijing Group, the line's operator, the number of daily passenger trips has increased from 48,000 to 73,000. Wang Manman, a resident of Wuqing District at Tianjin Municipality, 
takes the bullet train to her job in Beijing every day. The quickest journey takes only about 20 minutes, and there are 11 train trips for her to choose from. During the morning rush hour from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Over the 15 years, the high-speed railway network in the Beijing-Tianjin-Hebei region has increased from 118 kilometers to over 2,400 kilometers, covering all major cities. Passengers can commute between major cities in the area in one to two hours. The opening of the Beijing-Tianjin Intercity High-Speed Railway in August 2008 also gave strong support to the hosting of the Beijing 2008 Olympic Games and accelerated regional integration and development. By 2022, China has 42,000 kilometers of high-speed rail in operation, ranking first in the world. The length of high-speed rail in China regularly operating at 350 kilometers per hour neared 3,200 kilometers by June 2022. You're listening to Special English. I'm Tony Reed in Beijing. In a world shaped by ancient civilizations and remarkable trade networks, a wondrous journey awaits. Footprints presents Connected, a gripping 10-episode series that takes you into the lives of ordinary people whose destinies intertwine with the ancient Silk Road and the Belt and Road Initiative. Following the modern initiative that connects several continents via land and maritime networks, we uncover captivating stories along the way and witness how it bridges different cultures and peoples throughout time. Brace yourself for an enthralling experience with Connected, arriving on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today and join us on this extraordinary journey through time and space. You're listening to Special English. I'm Tony Reed in Beijing. After working as a housekeeper in Shanghai for nearly two decades, 49-year-old Zhu Chunnan has finally realized her dream of getting an undergraduate diploma in July. As an experienced housekeeper with multiple skill certificates and honors, Zhu is among the first batch of 95 graduates from Shanghai majoring in domestic service. She completed her junior college education and undergraduate curriculum at Shanghai Open University in five years. 
Long gone are the days when housekeepers only needed to do general cleaning tasks such as dusting, vacuuming, mopping floors, and making beds. Industry insiders revealed that an increasing number of Chinese families are demanding higher standards for domestic services, leading to a scarcity of high-quality housekeepers in the labor market. According to the head of a domestic service company, many families now seek housekeepers who possess additional skills such as caring for pregnant women, infants, and young children. Yang Wanling, an associate professor with Shanghai Open University, said that compared with junior college education, which mainly focuses on skill training, this undergraduate study offers in-depth courses covering nutriology, health management, consumption guidance, aesthetics, as well as laws and regulations. Statistics show that about one-third of the families in Shanghai, which is more than 8 million, either avail of or require domestic services. Meanwhile, there is a shortage of about 30,000 employees in high-end domestic service in the metropolis. These evolving demands have raised the bar for housekeepers' professional standards. According to Wang Shuxia, the president of the China Home Service Association, the increasingly diversified service demands from different groups are promoting the adjustment of the supply side. Domestic service has been upgraded to a multi-format sector covering home education, housework arrangement, and nutrition management, among others. As an all-rounder in housekeeping based in Shanghai, Ju has gained increasing popularity among employers. Ju said that she acquired a profound understanding of her area through systematic college studies and the enhancement of professional competence has bestowed upon her greater confidence and tranquility. This is Special English. Chinese space scientists have revealed in a paper how the country's lunar probe Chang'e 7 may go about investigating the water ice in the shadow pit near the south pole of the moon. China plans to launch the Chang'e 6 to land on the moon in around 2024 to collect samples from the moon's far side. 
before sending the Chang'e 7 probe around 2026 to implement resource exploration of the lunar south pole. Both orbital remote sensing and in situ detection are projected to be carried out in the permanent shadow areas on the lunar south pole. That is according to a review article published in the journal Space, Science and Technology, which was written by researchers from the National Space Science Center under the Chinese Academy of Sciences and the China Lunar Exploration and Space Engineering Center of the China National Space Administration. According to the paper, a water molecular analyzer will be installed on a mini flying probe to obtain water molecules in the frost layer on the moon's surface. The mini flying probe will take off in the lunar light area and fly to the permanently shadowed bottom of an impact cater. A drilling tool on the probe will then sample lunar soil water ice before a mechanical arm moves it into a heating furnace for spectral analysis. Unlike traditional lunar rovers, the mini flying detector is capable of reaching the crater bottom and the measurement results will reveal whether the lunar soil at the bottom of the crater contains water, ammonia, and other volatile matter. Also, two other scientific payloads are expected to be deployed on an orbiter to study the moon's surface water ice. Lunar water exploitation is believed to be a prerequisite for a sustained human presence on the moon and in deeper space. However, the possible source of lunar water ice is still unclear, making the mission scientifically necessary. According to China's Lunar Exploration Blueprint, the Chang'e 8 will be launched around 2028 to conduct experiments on lunar resource utilization and to build the basic model of the International Lunar Research Station. You're listening to Special English. I'm Tony Reed in Beijing. The People's Bank of China has made clear its stance of favoring downward interest rates and down payment ratios for individual housing loans. The stance is part of the efforts to implement city-specific and differentiated housing credit policies in order to better meet residents' rigid 
and improved housing demands. That is according to the meeting jointly held by the Central Bank and the State Administration of Foreign Exchange on the work for the second half of the year. The Central Bank said it would continue to guide commercial banks to adjust the interest rates for existing personal housing loans in a timely manner according to laws. To support the steady and sound development of the real estate market, the regulators acknowledged the necessity to keep real estate financing stable and orderly and increase financial support for housing leasing, the renovation of urban villages, and the construction of affordable housing. The meeting emphasized the need to coordinate efforts to defuse local debt risks through financial support and to enrich the tools and means for preventing and defusing systematic risks. This is Special English. That's the end of this edition of Special English. To recap, I'm going to read one of the news items again at normal speed. Please listen carefully. After working as a housekeeper in Shanghai for nearly two decades, 49-year-old Zhu Chunnan has finally realized her dream of getting an undergraduate diploma in July. As an experienced housekeeper with multiple skill certificates and honors, Zhu is among the first batch of 95 graduates from Shanghai majoring in domestic service. She completed her junior college education and undergraduate curriculum at Shanghai Open University in five years. Long gone are the days when housekeepers only needed to do general cleaning tasks, such as dusting, vacuuming, mopping floors, and making beds. Industry insiders revealed that an increasing number of Chinese families are demanding higher standards for domestic services, leading to a scarcity of high-quality housekeepers in the labor market. According to the head of a domestic service company, many families now seek housekeepers who possess additional skills, such as caring for pregnant women, infants, and young children. Yang Wanling, an associate professor with Shanghai Open University, said that compared with junior college education, which mainly focuses on skill training, this undergraduate study offers in-depth courses covering nutriology, health management, consumption guidance, aesthetics, as well as laws and regulations. Statistics show that about one-third of the families in Shanghai, which is more than 8 million, either avail of or require domestic services. Meanwhile, there is a shortage of about 30,000 employees in high-end domestic service in the metropolis. These evolving demands have raised the bar for housekeepers' professional standards. According to Wang Shuxia, the president of the China Home Service Association, the increasingly diversified service demands from different groups are promoting the adjustment of the supply side. Domestic service has been upgraded to a multi-format sector covering home education, housework arrangement, and nutrition management, among others. As an all-rounder in housekeeping based in Shanghai, Zhu has gained increasing popularity among employers. Zhu said that she acquired a profound understanding of her area through systematic college studies, 
and the enhancement of professional competence has bestowed upon her greater confidence and tranquility. This is the end of today's program. I'm Tony Reed in Beijing, and I hope you'll join us every day to learn English at a slower pace. Thank you.